minimalists. <laughs> the minimalists are once again going on tour. This is our tenth tour in ten years. It is called the Less Coast Tour. We'll be hitting eight cities across the west coast of the United States and Canada. For more details, head on over to theminimalists.com/tour. We'll see you soon. Every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need, every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn, and I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about eighty-hour work weeks. We're going to talk about packed schedules. We're going to talk about endless meetings. We're going to talk about Ryan's overflowing inbox. <laughs> we're going to talk about unrealistic deadlines, and we're going to talk about bringing our work home with us. All of the fun things that modern life has presented to us. And we're going to do all this with today's guest. Jason Freed is here. He is the author of this book. I'm going to hold it up. Um, it is called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can, you can see the cover here. Um, I just got this less than two days ago, Jason, and I'm already more than halfway through it. And I've got to tell you, we are... We are kindred spirits, my friend. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, we, we have many of the same values, but also many of the same ideas. I love what you've done with a lot of the principles in here. You've sort of, you've distilled down, well, I guess 20 years. You started Basecamp 20 years ago. 20 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, long time. And so um, you've learned a lot in those 20 years. And, and a lot of those lessons have made it in here. And I got to tell you, like there are some things that Ryan and I have even written about, like having no goals like that is a that is part of my ethos is yeah. not having goals and you don't have goal and people when i tell people i don't have goals they look at me like i'm crazy or lazy or stupid how or, do you know if you're winning <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so th there are just a lot of principles and we'll we'll dive into the book I, there's a lot i want to talk to you about but this is a listener driven show so i figure we would start with some questions today about being too busy our first question is from amanda in nashville how would you suggest someone goes about balancing their financial stability and their mental stability? Recently, I moved to a new city, and I've been struggling with being able to keep afloat. But I understand that there's no sense in spending all of your hours working to make a dollar if you're going to be miserable. I guess that's been the struggle that I've been having recently, as some people say it's really hard. Some people say it's really easy. Just got to go to work, do what you need to do and make it happen. But I feel like it's a little more complicated than that. So Jason, you write about this in the book, actually. There is a certain expectation. I think a lot of it is sort of internal, like the 80-hour work weeks. But also, uh, there are bosses and bosses, bosses who sort of set a precedent. They're the first one in and the last one out. That was actually me when I was a, a middle manager back in the corporate world. I managed 150 retail stores and I would I, I made sure that I was the first person in. Either it was either me or my boss, so he set the precedent. And then I was the last one. I was turning the, the lights out at, at 8 p.m. after everyone left. But I was busy. I, don't, I wasn't necessarily um, efficient or um, I was productive, as you write in the book. 
Yeah, people are obsessed with productivity. Yeah. I don't know. Like, um, I think part of this whole thing is is that we set expectations for ourselves that are kind of impossible to meet. Um, and bosses sometimes set expectations that are impossible to meet, deadlines that are impossible to meet, uh, growth targets that are impossible to meet, all sorts of targets, all sorts of expectations. And we've really tried to not do any of that, basically. Like, we just kind of say, let's try to do the best work we can. Like, that's it, because we should be doing that anyway. Like, I don't need to set a target to do the best work I can. I should do the best work I can, because that's what I want to do. And that's all I expect of myself and anybody to do the best work we can. And I think when, you know, when it comes to hitting things or, 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 or you know, being busy, um, sometimes we feel like we're, we have to be busy to feel like we're, we're doing something worthwhile. Right. Like, I got to fill my time. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to fill your time. And the truth is, is like, there's a lot of things to do during the day, but there's not that much work that probably really needs to get done. So we invent work to do and mm. we keep ourselves busy and we bounce back and forth between tasks. And we're addicted to, and you wrote about this in the book as well, uh, we're addicted to interruptions. And you had this equation in there where it was like one times 60 is still equals one or one. Yeah, one times 60 is an hour or or two times 30 is also an hour. And and um, what, like 10 times six minutes at a time is also an hour, but they're three completely different hours, right? Mm. Because if we're constantly interrupted, we're doing busy work, but we're not actually getting the meaningful work done. Especially creative work. I think it needs, you need uninterrupted stretches of time to really get into something, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, that's like the limit of my math skills is that sort of equation there. But basically, you know, um, we try to shoot for, and I think people should try to shoot for like doing one thing at a time. Mm. Let's call it an hour. Just focus on that for an hour instead of bouncing between three or four or five different things. And the problem is, is that a lot of modern technology prevents us from having contiguous blocks of time. We end up bouncing new notification. Let's check that out. New email. Let's check that out. New uh, Zoom call. Let's check that out. Whatever it might be. And so we just end up bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. And it's not that there's more work to do. It's that there's less time to do it because our time our, our days have been chunked into smaller and smaller and smaller bits. Mm-hmm. And then you can't really get deep into something. So you kind of just like hit the surface and then you bounce off of it. You bounce onto something else and you never get things done. You're just bouncing constantly. I think that's really a bad way to go about the day. Yeah. Now, Ryan, you, I think you, you might have some good advice here because she's really talking about the financial side and the mental side. Yeah. And, and the problem with this is like if she wants to work less, it's going to hurt her financially. Mm-hmm. But if her, she gets hurt financially, now all of a sudden it's going to have a uh, an impact on her on her sanity, on the chaos, on the the mental clarity, on the psychological clutter, the the mental stress that that she's experiencing, and so then it becomes this strange sort of downward spiral, and uh, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to get out of that because I think we all have a, a certain base level of need. You know, mm-hmm. she just moved to Nashville. It's a new city for her. And of course, she has to pay the bills. But then there are all these other sort of inputs that are telling her, well, you have to make money to do this. You have to make money to do that. Yeah. I mean, I always like go to an, an extreme example. And I think, you know, if someone offered her a million dollars to rob a bank, she probably wouldn't do that. Now, what she's doing right now is, is you know, not nearly as you know morally wrong as robbing a bank but it is wrong to an extent i mean in her question she said it she's like i know there's no point in working 80 hours a week seven days a week just to forsake my mental stability and i totally agree and when someone is in that situation they do have to they have, they have one or two choices they can continue doing what they're doing and we all know that you know inevitably it's going to get to a brick wall 
And I know for me, when I was doing the 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks, I got to a point where, I mean, I almost just got up and quit and went bankrupt and like, cause I was so stressed out right now. She's at a point where she doesn't have to, uh, she's not in this pressure cooker situation yet. And she has an opportunity to kind of work her way out of it. So yeah, I mean, she should probably, um, she, she can either leave her job, uh, find something different, um, or she can go to her boss and if she's really adding value to the company, Josh did this, uh, before, uh, we left our corporate jobs, he went to his boss and he was like, Hey, look, um, I'm not going to answer my phone after a certain time and I'm not going to get on my computer before a certain time. Now, the only reason Josh could say that is because he added an ex- just an enormous amount of value to the company. So he had leverage to kind of set his, his, uh, some boundaries up. So, you know, maybe she can set up some boundaries if she can't set those boundaries up. Yeah, I agree. Um, you don't want to forsake your mental health just for a seven day work week, just for the money. Cause again, there are, there are many ways that you can make lots of money. Um, but there are opportunity costs. And unfortunately, you know, uh, your, your stress levels, your, your mental stability is, is one of those opportunity costs. So she's got, she's got to find a way out is, is kind of where I'm at with, with my advice to her. Yeah, I mean, Jason, I assume you you see this with with people in your company. If someone does feel stressed out or they feel overworked, I'm sure it's happened before, even with the the company culture that you have, um, especially as you're trying new things out, you're working on new projects. Um, I think quite often the bosses or managers or people above where you are, they want to be sympathetic, even though they're not all, they may not see, and especially the farther away they get from the work, you talk about that in the book, they may not even understand that you're stressed out and, and feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, people put on a, a happy face at work because they don't mm. want to seem like they're pouting or seem like they don't appreciate the opportunity to have a job. And so people suck it up a lot. Mm. But I think it's it's important for everyone to be very honest about their own mental health with their boss. Now, some bosses may not want to hear it. Like, you know, there are people out there who don't want to hear that. But um, hopefully um, you can, you can you know, explain to somebody that like, I'm just feeling burned out. Like I need a little bit of extra time or I need to go home a little bit earlier. I just need, I need some space here to fix some things because otherwise I'm just going to put on a happy face and not do great work and it's going to end poorly. Yeah. So, you know, can I, can I have a little bit more time? I need a few more personal days. Can I do something? And we've been very careful about this at Basecamp, although we weren't in the past. Um, but we had a situation once where one of our employees who'd been with us for a while had some issues and um, and he was trying to kind of fight through them. And it was pretty obvious that he needed a break. And we didn't have any way to give him a break because we didn't have any, we could give him a day or two, but we didn't have any like institutional breaks really. So we, you know, this is not our invention, but we came up with the idea of the sabbatical at work, which of course, like in academia, they have it and some jobs they have it. And so now at base camp, every three years, everybody gets a paid 30-day sabbatical just to give people a shot at like, just get some real time off without any worry. And then we also have a lot of people to take personal days, more personal days and that sort of thing. But these are things we've eased into over the years. We haven't always been that way because we didn't recognize, you know, we didn't even understand that somebody could have those, those concerns. Um, but people do, everyone does. And I think it's important for the boss, the owner, whoever, to recognize that human beings are human beings. I don't care how cool the job is. I don't care how special it is. I don't care how, how friendly you think you are. People need some mental health time mm-hmm. in order to, to like, you know, tighten some things up for themselves. And you need to, need to be able to give people that time and also protect people's time through the, during the day. So 
an eight hour day is enough. Mm-hmm. Like that's another part of this is that work can push people to burnout, obviously. And it's not always obvious because people burn out at different rates and different times. So you might think this is fine. I can work 10 hour days, no big deal, right? But other people may not be able to do that. And you need to recognize that as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, Amanda, last thing I'm, I'm going to tell you is uh, our friend Dave Ramsey, he, I just, I just heard him recently talking about he was talking to an attorney who was working 80 hours a week. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, the he was totally burned out. And, you know, if he works really hard for the next decade or decade and a half, he might become one of the 47 partners in their law firm. And then, by the way, the work doesn't go away once you get the next promotion, you climb the ladder. Now you're setting the new precedent. You have to work even more. Mm. And that, that, work, I, that always happened to me. Every time I got a promotion throughout my 12 years at the telecom company that Ryan and I were at, it's not like, oh, now it's a relief. It's like, oh, it's awesome. I got this promotion. Now I get the privilege of working more. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, uh, it, it becomes this never-ending cycle where there isn't relief around the bend. You, there is not a finish line that you're working toward. And in fact, the closer I got to the people I aspired to be, the more I realized they were kind of miserable where, where I was. And if I worked for the next 20 years, then I would probably be just as miserable as them. Because if I follow their recipe, I'm going to bake the same cake. Yeah, there's a path. And once you're on that path and on those rails, you're going where they're going. That's what happens. You know, um, it's it's one of those tricky things because um, it, it's hard. It's really hard to just admit that you need a break or that you need to do something else. The thing is, is that we all create habits. Like habits aren't something you set out to create. You just create them anyway. And the trick here, or not the trick, the problem, I guess, is that if you work long hours, if you have bad habits or you form bad habits, like it's going to be harder and harder to break those habits. You simply just get used to the things that you do over and over and over and over. And um, you end up putting up with things and making excuses for things because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is now. Like mm-hmm. that's just, I'm used to it now. Now I'm going to begin to defend my lifestyle because like I'm so invested in it. So I think it's really important for people um, to spot those things early and 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 correct because kind of what you just alluded to is really true which is it never gets easier i don't think it ever gets easier unless Mm -hmm. you break like i don't mean like well sometimes breaking down is kind of the first (laughs) step but 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 you have to break those habits because they're not going to naturally go away and this is something i think is important for entrepreneurs too um sometimes people think they can work long 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 hours for many many years because then eventually down the road they won't have to but it doesn't work that way People tend to just keep doing what they've been doing in the past and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and they dig in and then they think the only way to get anywhere is how they've already gotten somewhere, which is putting in ridiculous hours. So mm-hmm. you got to break those habits early and set yourself up for recognizing that 40 hours, I would say, is enough. Eight hour days is plenty and and practice that because whatever you practice, you're going to keep getting better at. And unfortunately, you can get better at working 80 hour weeks and defending it. Um, yeah. Well, one thing uh, I thought about too, is I saw in one of your TED talks is uh, meetings and how much of a waste of time those are. And I was just thinking maybe she can find things in her week that she could cut out. I oh, mean, please. you know, in, instead of, you know, 10 meetings a week, maybe it's five meetings a week. Um, but yeah, I, I know that that is a huge time suck. So maybe, uh, maybe that's just one little thing she could do to cut some time out. One of the things I want to add too, it's important to recognize what, control you have over the situation. So of course, that was a short voicemail. We don't have all the context about what she does and how, whatever, but you can bang your head against the wall trying to make changes 
that you can't change. So if, if she's lower in an organization, she may not be able to affect the top end of the organization. If she's higher, she'll have more power over the organization. We don't know where she is. Mm. But figuring out what she can affect um, is, is the first step because you can get really frustrated um, trying to change things that you simply just don't have the leverage to change right now. So I think mm-hmm. that's a really important point too. Yeah. And, and I also, one thing that adds to your freedom here is if you were debt free in your personal oh. life, because that does allow you to walk away from a job that maybe is making you compromise your values, your interests, your desires at this point. However, if you are in debt, then um, in fact, this is, you and I agree violently on um, not having plans. Uh, it's, you know, Ryan and I don't have a 10-year business plan, right? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do. It, it would be disingenuous for me to say, yes, five years from now, we're going to have X number of Instagram followers as though that's even the point. Right. Like, uh, uh, In fact, uh, one thing that's fascinating with uh, Jess, who handles all of our social media, she's amazing. Um, she's done freelance work for other companies as well. And they always, you know, it's always like, well, we need to have X number of Instagram followers by the end of this quarter. And and like, I've never gone to her once and Ryan has never gone to her at all and and been like, well, we really need to ramp up our Facebook strategy. What are you doing to get new followers? Because that's not, that's not the point. Adding value is the point. And these are just different channels through which we try to add value. Um, and, and I bring all that back to say that, if you are working somewhere where you are compromising your values, mm-hmm. um, you may have to stay there for a, a short period of time until you're able to pay off your debt. However, if you're debt-free, you can leave that place. You can always find a job elsewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere else that does align with the person you want to become. And of course, don't expect perfection, but there might be a more ideal place for you to go. Yeah. One other thing I want to add too is, um, Remote work is a reality. So our, most of our company works remotely. You have uh, 50 something? 56 people. Okay. About 40 of them live. So we're based in Chicago. We have 14 people in Chicago. And then the rest live in about 30 other cities around the world, 35 cities. And remote work is important because um, it gives someone an opportunity to work somewhere else where the cost of living is lower. Mm. So, you know, we have one of our best customer service reps lives on a farm in Tennessee. You know, he couldn't get this job if he had to look in his, you know, 10 mile radius, there wouldn't be a job, you know, Mm. but he gets to go live on the family farm. I think it's like a fifth generation family farm and do this job because we allow remote work. So that's another option is to keep your costs down by going to another. I mean, Nashville doesn't have a very high cost of living, which is good. Um, But, you know, figuring out the cost out of the equation is important, too. Sometimes we're always looking to to make more. Mm -hmm. But if you reduce the, the base that you have to cover you don't have to make as much. And I think people just don't talk about costs enough. They yeah. talk about the revenue enough, or, or you know, in this case, the salary enough, or making more, but maybe you just don't need to make as much. That's another way to figure out how to get out of this, this yeah. vicious cycle. Totally. I mean, the, the fastest way to get a raise is to just spend less money, find ways to yeah. spend less money for totally. sure. And I'll say one thing too, you know, Josh and I, we didn't just quit our jobs and become minimalists. I mean, that's, and start a blog. I mean, that is, that is like the, you know, um, people mistake like, oh, you can't just quit your job and be a minimalist. It's like, you're right. You can't. You have to have a plan. So, you know, Josh and I, for a year at least, we were paying off debt. We were spending less money. We were preparing 
uh, Josh, he laid himself off um, <laughs> <laughs> when he was given yeah. the task to save money. He put his first name. His his name was. I'd first lay on off forty two people. My my name was the first on the list. Yeah. In, in fact, that's what I was going to say about the plan thing. Ryan and I mm-hmm. don't have plans, but I the one time where I do find it to be beneficial to have a plan is if you are in a crater, so to speak. So if yeah. you're in debt, yeah. having a plan to get out of debt. If you if there's some sort of a, uh, emergency, you, you can plan for certain things. You can't plan for everything, and and. I think it's it's important to differentiate that we're try if we try to say well here's my you know Toyota has a hundred year plan right. which is funny and uh, aspirational I suppose and maybe that helps them with their six sigma yeah. processes and all these other things but um, we kind of make it up as we go mm-hmm. and I think it's gone way better for us as a result but only because. We had plans to get us out of the crater. And then once you're out of the crater, you can travel in whatever direction you want. Yeah, and what that plan. plan does is it gives you something to look on the horizon for. So, you know, I would encourage her to, you know, set an end date. Maybe it's a year from now. And what is it going to take for her to find different work or to work less over the next year? Um, that is like huge leverage. But if you're going in every day and you're just reminded of how you want to leave with no plan, it's uh, it's a recipe for disaster. Well, Amanda, I'm going to send you a copy of It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. I really hope you enjoy it. I think you'll find a lot of value in that. Uh, I'm also going to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. Uh, We identify the five values that Ryan and I often talk about, the foundational values. And I think getting really clear on what your values are is going to be really important for you to move forward to find a company or a job or a position or maybe even starting your own business that aligns with the person you want to be. So if you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version of Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life, or we'll send you the book book or the ebook version of that. Ryan, I'm going to skip Olivia's question for the sake of time. Maybe we'll move that for the maximal. But uh, let's move on to, well, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for our lightning round. This is where we answer questions from social media. Jason, here's what we do. So we're at The Minimalist on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram. You're at uh, Jason Freed on, on the relevant platforms. Twitter. Only on, on Twitter. Twitter. Only Twitter. Yeah. Look at that. You yeah. minimalist. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's my favorite platform. Yeah, it's, me yeah. too. Yeah. I'm a fan of the other ones personally, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and so thankfully we have Jess to help manage, get our message out on, on all those other platforms, but Twitter is also my personal favorite. Uh, who's our first question from, Ryan? Our first question is from Aditya. If you are a senior manager at a company that can be crazy sometimes, like many other tech startups, what can you do to change the culture? You know, this is a, a fascinating question because you know, there are often people who would like to in some way influence the culture of their company, but they're new or they feel like they're so low down on the totem pole. Um, Now, what we try to do is we answer these questions in a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. But not really. We just we ramble <laughs> yeah, on a bit, yeah. and then Sean makes something pretty for the show notes. He tweezes <laughs> something tweetable out. Right. So, uh, Jason, tell tell me about um, how do people in your company, especially you, have an additional layer? They're working remotely. How do they influence the culture, especially if they're low down on the totem pole? Well, I, this comes back a little bit to something I said earlier, which is figuring out what you actually have control over. So, if you're really low on the totem pole, it, I mean, at the very least, we all have control over ourselves it's, to some degree. Mm-hmm. So, if we don't like being interrupted by others all the time, we shouldn't interrupt other people. You know, kind of be the change you wish to see in the world, essentially. And so, I think you know, you got to figure out where you're at. If you're a little bit of, a, if you have a team lead and you have three people below you or something like that, or working with you, then you can change that. If you are a, a manager that manages multiple teams, then you can change that. But trying to change the whole company, I think it's just, it's not the right first step. Mm. It's, it's, you know, 
figure out what you can control, work on yourself first, make some small steps. And at some point, what ends up happening is that if you, let's say you have a team of three that you're, that you're in charge of, and the rest of the company is crazy, and you figure out some calm, and all of a sudden you're doing things a little bit differently, and everyone's like, and it's working. People are like, what, what's going on over there? Mm. You get some leverage to get back to leverage. Everyone's got to figure out what their lever is, and how long it is, and how strong it is, like how much leverage do you have? And you can build it by, with small little victories, and then you know people will look at you and go, what's going on over there? Oh, he, you know, he or she lets people work at home one day a week. Oh, interesting. Maybe we could do that elsewhere. Then you can have influence on the company by doing something in a small scale. Other people will pay attention to it and let them then have the idea. Make it their, it's, it's your idea. Like, I don't care. I don't need to take credit for the idea. Like, right. if you want to steal it from me and, and, and uh, you know, apply this company-wide, please do. That'd be great. So mm-hmm. I think that's the way to, to go about this. And you know what, Ryan? Mm-hmm. When we worked at the, the telecom company, there were thousands of employees there. I think what we don't realize is there isn't necessarily a company culture. There are many cultures within the company. We yeah. worked in the, the retail side of things. And then for a different period of time, Ryan worked in the, the B2B side of things and in the marketing side of things. And there were individual cultures in each of those places yeah. that, by the way, are appreciably different when you move from, it's essentially like moving to a whole new company sometimes, right? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I, I remember Josh's, he, he ran a bunch of retail stores, and his stores were like pristine, man. Like you could literally wipe the top of the case, right. and there's right. no dust. <laughs> but then you go to like, you know, uh, his, his uh, co-workers retail stores and there's like clutter everywhere it's you know dirty in the back room i mean yeah it's you, you do have a little uh a little bit of a different environment store to store uh yeah it's no different than, than a city so you've got a city which has a general kind of a cultural angle yeah. then you've got neighborhoods in the city and you've got blocks in the city and one block might be different than the next block and coffee shops over here different than coffee shops over here and restaurants over here you know it's everything it is a bunch of micro th- this whole idea of a culture as as this as this one thing it's it's not true and it's not helpful right it's think about it in terms of little micro societies within the bigger society and that's yeah. what you can really have control over yeah and you can influence other ones then yeah, yeah. Well, here's Absolutely. my pithy answer and it's just echoing exactly what you said i already had this written down be the calm you want to see in the workplace. Okay. Yeah. You got it. It's great, man. Uh, my pithy answer is this. You needn't be a vessel into which others pour their stress and anxiety. And I think it's too often that we want to take on other people's stresses and anxieties, but we don't have to do that. We can be the calm that we want to be. I think it's important to empathize. Like, it's important to, like, you know, un- respect other people's battles, but we don't have to take those battles on ourselves. All right. Before we get into our added value segment and our listener tips today, it looks like we have a bunch more surprise questions this week. And did we do, gentlemen? How do you reduce the chaos at work over which you have very limited control? How do you balance work that needs to be done for the company or leadership versus the work you are passionate about? How do you let go of attachment to results and just focus on the process itself? We have another question here. This one was really fascinating, right? I only get a break when I sleep or when I have no cell phone service. <laughs> Yikes. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So what can I do to get some time to myself without feeling rude for ignoring emails and texts and phone calls? Also, this is a good question. In what areas of Jason's personal life does he take a minimalist approach? And it looks like we've got about 14 billion more questions for Jason Freed. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, Ryan and I record an entirely different much longer maximal episode on the Minimalist Private Podcast, which gives us the private space we need to talk about topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% 
advertisement free when you subscribe to the minimalist private podcast on patreon you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app you can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com ryan what else you got for us well, as always, I want to encourage our listeners to read more and get informed. And you can do that with Jason Fried's book, It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. I'm holding that up for the camera one more time. Check it out. It's a great book. And then also, Josh, I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Sandra from Long Island, New York. I wanted to share a quick tip for those looking to let go of extra bags or luggage. Instead of donating them to a place like Goodwill, you can donate them to your local foster care system. Many children in foster care carry their belongings in garbage bags. By donating your extra luggage, it allows those children to feel a bit better when moving to a new place. Hello, the Minimalist. My name is Eve, and I'm from Berlin, Connecticut. I just listened to your Simple Choices podcast um, about healthy eating, and um, I just wanted to kind of share my personal experience with healthy eating. Um, I was diagnosed with IBS my freshman year of college, and this has been really um, a big strain on my health and my eating habits. Um, I've had to eliminate an, a lot of foods in order to keep me feeling good and feeling well, um, and one of those changes I made was actually becoming a vegetarian cold turkey, no pun intended. And um, I just wanted to share that it can be really difficult to make um, a big dietary decision like that and switch in your life, um, going vegan, gluten-free, vegetarian. Um, a lot of judgment comes your way when um, you tell people that you're currently going through that transition or maybe already have. Um, so I just wanted to share with the listeners that it's really great to just stay confident in yourself and trust your process. Um, it can be really hard to be able to express yourself and live freely and simply when you're receiving negative feedback and judgment from others. Um, but I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of people that um, have improved their lives eating healthy and making those transitions. So um, whether you are thinking about switching to make a big dietary change or are someone that doesn't know a lot about it and um, doesn't have a lot of support in that, um, definitely follow what you'd like to do and be able to um, be consistent and persistent with how your eating habits are shaping your life um, in order to perfect your health. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Jason for joining us today. There are a few ways you could check him out. Check out his book. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. I'm halfway through it. I'm absolutely enjoying it. I I'm probably going to finish it in the next day or two. It is so good. Whether you work for someone, you are a, a boss, you aspire to be a boss, you want to start your own company, what a f phenomenal ethos. And then he's got several other places you can find him. He has a podcast. Definitely check out his podcast. It's called Rework.fm. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And his blog, which is called Signal versus Noise, and you can find that at 37svn.com. You can check that out. You can also follow him on Twitter at Jason Freed. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. And real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. Well, sort of going on. So I teach a writing class, as you know, Ryan. Mm -hmm. you've, you've taken the writing class. Yes. And it's um, great. Uh, we we just had about a hundred students graduate uh, recently, 
uh, from the, the latest round. We, we cap it at 100 students at a time. And so enrollment is currently closed. If you're listening to this, the day this podcast episode comes out, enrollment is closed. But if you're interested, when we do open enrollment, we open it up for 100 students at a time. We will probably do that early this year in 2020. You have the opportunity to, to be a part of that. Or if you just want more information about it, just go to howtowritebetter.org and you can sign up for the email list to be notified. Also, you can get some free writing tips as well uh, for being on that email list, howtowritebetter.org. There'll never be any pressure. We're not going to try to uh, pressure you into signing up for a course or, or anything like that. That's obviously not what we do. It tends to, to sell out each time anyway, but it is an opportunity for you to learn how to improve your writing, whether you want to write your first book or your next book or you want to start a blog, or you want to improve your business emails, or maybe you're thinking about writing a short story or a short story collection, I believe a rising tide lifts all boats, and I want to help you learn how to write better. Howtowritebetter.org is the place to go if you want to write better in the new year. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash The Minimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, you can sign up for the email list over at theminimalists.com. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails with beautiful writings about living an intentional life with less. And for our added value this week, Ryan, this is a, an album we were listening to uh, recently together. We were driving to a Utah Jazz game. Well, it was a Clippers <laughs> game, but they were playing the Utah Jazz and uh, Joshua Radin has a phenomenal new album. And my favorite track is the title track. It's called Here Right Now. There's something about his music that is just so calming. So I'd encourage you all to, uh, to have a listen to that. And if you all leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. I've seen much more than most Much less than some Took a while to give up the ghost Thought it'd never come There were times Blood on my hands And I tried to wash away Outside the lines I couldn't stand soft voice to say that I'm here, I'm here right now, right now. Not, lost, not lost but found and everything I've done has brought me